Seth made reference to a passage of scripture earlier this morning during our, our worship set in Psalm 121. I want to encourage you guys to turn your eyes there to Psalm 121 this morning. Psalm 121. We are in the middle of a series called Tending Your Garden. And uh, for those of you guys who are with us today for the first time, or maybe you've missed the first couple of messages in this series, I want to encourage you to jump on Antioch, A-N-T-I-O-C-H dot I-S, and you guys can follow along on our podcast there. We actually got word from uh, one of our, one of the family members that's part of Antioch Church who's overseas currently, who is able to dial in to not only the podcast audio, but the, uh, the video cast of our messages now. And uh, he, he just wanted to uh, let us know how grateful that he was that uh, we are now able to uh, showcase our services, a portion of our services via video. And so uh, for all of you guys who are watching online, we just want to welcome you. We just want to say we bless you and uh, may the Lord speak to you deeply today. Antioch Church loves you and we're waiting for those of you guys who are deployed. We're waiting for you to come home and for those of you guys who are, who are living overseas and connecting with what Antioch is doing, uh, we're so grateful that you're connecting with who we are and what the Lord is doing in this place. Psalm 121, as we talked this morning about tending the garden of your family, tending the garden of your family, I want to highlight a couple of key verses here, because what I want to do is I want to start off and I want to focus on some of the particular nuances of the word shamar. If you remember three weeks ago, as we began our series, we referenced Genesis chapter two, verse 15, where the word shamar or the word protect, the word watch, guard, defend, that is the first time that word is used. And what I wanna do is I wanna focus on Psalm 121, where we see the word shamar to guard, keep, protect, and defend a couple of times, showing us that God isn't just a, uh, a ruler. He's not just a cosmic being. He is actually a father who is closely watching over the affairs of our lives. He is watching over us. He is keeping us. He's protecting us. He's defending us. Psalm 121. We're going to read the entire Psalm beginning in verse one. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That word there in verse four, he who watches is our word shamar. Verse five, the Lord shamar, he watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you. That word keep is the word shamar. He'll keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. I want to highlight a couple of the nuances of the word shamar. The first being, shamar means protect. It means protector. Today, we're going to be focusing on tending the garden of your family. And so as you, as you listen to the nuances of this particular word, this particular word shamar, I want you to hear this through the grid and through the lens of watching, guarding, protecting, keeping the field of your family, the field of your home. That could be your natural family, your biological family. That could all be also be your spiritual family. For many of you, Antioch Church is your spiritual family. 
This is your kingdom community, the place where God has divinely assigned you and appointed you, which means that we are connected by covenant, by the blood of Jesus in the spirit. And for some of you, the relationship that God has built within Antioch Church, for some of you, it's even closer than some of the biological relationships that you have because of the depth of connection that you're experiencing in the spirit. And so we have to protect that. Remember, everything that is worth cultivating is worth fighting for. Everything that is valuable, we must protect. I'm reminded of one of the adages that David Galvan has created. And he created this specifically for his young daughter, Brielle. But he uses this phrase, he says, boundaries protect things that are valuable. And he instills this into the heart of his young daughter. What he's doing is he's tending the garden of his daughter's heart. And we're gonna talk about some specific ways that that happens. But boundaries are a good thing. And one of our responsibilities in the spiritual family and one of our responsibilities in the natural family is to establish those boundaries that actually help to create a form of guardianship that will protect and keep the field of our families. So number one, shamar means a protector. The word protect or protector comes from the Latin word Pro meaning before, and the next word to go meaning to cover. So think about this. To protect actually means to go ahead of something and to cover it. To go in advance and to be a shield for something, to cover it from danger or from injury. One of the ways that we protect our families is by participating with the watchman anointing in the place of prayer. I want you, as we're listening to these words today, I want you to filter everything that I'm saying, both from the natural perspective, but also from the spiritual perspective. Much of the material that I've taken is, is taken from uh, Apostle Dutch Sheets' book called Watchman Prayer, follow-up book to his best-selling intercessory prayer. This is a fantastic book, and it's written primarily through the vantage point of how do we watch over the field, whether it be our own life, our marriages, our family, our city, our church, etc. How do we do that in the place of prayer? So as you think about prayer, many of us may not connect the dots that we can actually protect things in the spirit by participating with the watchman anointing in prayer. There's many different kinds of prayer. There's a supplication, there's petition where we come to God and we make requests and we, we, we bring things before him that are important to us. And then there's intercession where we actually stand in the gap between issues and situations on earth and we represent those things to heaven. And we take the things that are important that we see around us in the field of assignment that God has put us in and we're making those needs known to heaven so that we can employ and implore the help and the resources of heaven into those situations in our lives. And what greater situation and field of responsibility to implore heaven's help and heaven's power and heaven's revelation and heaven's resources than the field of our families. Number two, the word shamar means a keeper. Not only does it mean a protector, but it means a keeper. Adam was instructed to keep the garden. In other words, he was assigned not only to protect what was, but to keep wrong things out. He was assigned by God to keep negative things out of the field of his garden. I'm reminded in Matthew 13, I believe that we've referenced this in one of the earlier messages, but in Matthew 13, Jesus is referencing 
uh, four different types of soil, four different types of soil that represents our hearts. And as the seed of the gospel or the seed of the message of the kingdom goes out into people's hearts, it lands on different types of soil. The first type that we see in Matthew 13 is, is a heart that's hard, a soil that's hard for whatever reason, whether it be because of offense or uh, cynicism or criticism or a jaded nature that has taken place or pride or arrogance, the soil of that heart has become hard and the seed of God's kingdom. Revelation can't penetrate that. Number two, we, we see that there's shallow soil so that when revelation and truth come, it springs up quickly, but it doesn't last. So the word actually says that those people fall away because of persecution that comes because of the word. But the third kind of soil is the soil that I'm thinking about when it comes to keeping the garden of our family. And that is the soil of weeds. Scripture says there are thorns and there are snares that come in to that particular field because they allow those weeds and they allow the seeds of wrong thinking to enter into the field of their heart. We see this happen with our children all the time whether it be the thing, and they're, they're so impressionable. They're, they're, they're like sponges, even at six years old and four years old. My children are already, they're just, they're just drinking in the good and the bad, assuming as true the things that come to them from their friends, assuming as right the things that they see on a video screen or the things that they hear at school from their teachers. And we have to understand that it is our job to keep the field of their hearts whatever age and stage of their lives, we are to keep the garden of our children's hearts. There's a statement here that I wrote, we must determine that we will not tolerate the weeds of this culture and the influence of the serpent in the garden of our children's lives. We must, we must be determined that we will not tolerate that. And remember, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So as, as parents and as spiritual leaders and people in positions of spiritual authority and influence, it's not that we attack the child or it's not that we attack the person. We need to understand that ideologies and philosophies and ideas and mindsets and beliefs that are espoused to be true, those are the things that we attack. Those are the things that we go against in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of prayer, also in the realm of understanding truth. That is how we attack those wrong mindsets and those wrong ideas. You know, last night I had a conversation with my dad. My dad's in Korea right now with my mom. And so our, our times of connecting are a little hit and miss. And so it was a real special time that we got to connect over the phone and, um, before we got off the phone, we probably talked for about an hour, great conversation. And towards the end, he said, he said, Hey son, I just want to bring something to your attention. Maybe it's a blind spot that you need to, you need to look out for. And he actually used the phrase cause he's following the, the video cast online. He says, it might be a part of your garden that you want to tend that I want to submit to you. And he shared some things with me that, uh, that were spot on. I mean, they were spot on. And I said, you know, Pop, the Lord's actually been speaking to me about these exact same things. And, uh, and I, wanna, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for watching over me, even from a distance. Even at, even at 37 years old, he's still watching over my life. And now he's able to, he's able to watch over my life via, via, you know, video. And he saw something and he said, he said, hey, you know, just, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to take this to the Lord. I want you to think about it. 
You know what he was doing? He was keeping my heart. He was keeping an area of my development. He was keeping an area of my character. There was actually a heart thing that he was tuning in in. And he said, hey, go pay attention to this area of your heart. He was keeping it. He was trying to keep the wrong things out. The third connotation here of the word shamar is the word guard. So we have protect, we have keep, we have guard. The, the word guard is actually like a bodyguard. So if, you, if you've ever been, if you've ever seen movies or ever been in situations where there, there is someone who is assigned to guard over a specific environment or to guard over a particular person, those people are watchmen. I tell you, whenever I go upstairs and I drop my children off upstairs on the third floor, there's a person up there standing guard and they are resourced with power to help them guard that which is valuable. And I tell you, as a parent, that, that makes me feel a little safer. That makes me feel a little bit more comfortable being three flights of stairs away from my children because my children are one of the most important things in my life. And so as, as a church community, we hire someone and we direct resources to people to guard, to stand guard and to watch and to protect our children because they are our most valuable assets here in this place. Number four, the word watch and the word shamar means to be a gatekeeper. This is a powerful, powerful word, a gatekeeper. As, as watchmen of old guarded gates and doors of cities and vineyards, so too we must watch over and become gatekeepers of entrances. Now, as parents, think about the entrances into the hearts of your children. Going back to tending your own garden, think about the entrances or the doors or the gates into your own life, the eye gate, the things that our children see. We must watch over the eye gate, the ear gate, the things that our children hear, the mind gate. All of these are gates that we as parents, we stand over the gates of our children's lives as doorkeepers, as gatekeepers. We determine what comes in and what goes out. We determine what is allowed in through the gate of those different mediums. Many, many friends of mine growing up were exposed to inappropriate material when they were young. In fact, if you, if you think about most people who struggle with areas concerning the lust of the flesh, most of those things were exposed to those kids where they picked up a magazine from their dad or whether they went over to a friend's house and they were exposed to certain videos. I remember, I remember being a young, young kid and being exposed to certain things at my friend's houses running around when my parents were at work and, and, um, there's a young kid in the second grade, his name was Shane, and he came over to the house and he, he, he somehow got his hands on some material. And in the second grade, so we're looking at eight or nine years old, he exposed me to this material as a young boy. Well, we're talking about things that were let into the eye gate that then as a young man, I had to wrestle through and, 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 and pull out of the garden of my heart. Are you, guys, are you guys connecting with me this morning? You know, as parents, we must watch over the, the things that you watch as mom and dad may not be the things that your kids should be watching. And in fact, my brother-in-law says, if, if, uh, if the kids shouldn't be watching it, then maybe mommy and daddy shouldn't be watching it either. And so they just set that consistent standard. And I want you to think about that as you evaluate tending the garden of your family, what is coming in 
through the internet, what is coming in, the things that you're listening to. You know, as a young kid growing up in a military community, a lot of my, my best friends were either Puerto Rican or African-American. And at a young age, I don't even know how I got a hold of this, but I really gravitated towards the, the R&B and, and the rap and the hip hop. I mean, I just, I, just, I mean, that, that's, that, that's the community that I was in. And so at a young age, in the fifth grade, I remember traveling through Germany and we would go from our little, our little military base and we would travel two and a half hours to Ramstein or two and a half hours to, to a Mannheim. And we'd go to all these different places. And I, as, a, as an only child, I'd be sitting there with my Walkman on, listening to Public Enemy, listen, listening to NWA. And some of you guys have no idea who these people are. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, 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 the things that were being sown into my heart in terms of attitude, in terms of rebellion, in terms of anger, those things were coming into the guard of my heart via the ear gate. I remember as I got a little bit older, the embarrassing moments when my father and my youth pastor would say, tell me what you're listening to. And uh, I never forget one time when uh, I was out in the garage and I was cleaning up and my dad came out and uh, I had this music blasting and he just sat there for a while listening to music and then he just hit stop and he said, tell me what this means. Tell me what that means. And, and I said, oh, dad, it just sounds, it just sounds cool. The, listen to the beats, dad. Listen to the beats. Well, the beats aren't what's getting into the guard of your heart. It's the message that's coming across the beats that I'm worried about that's getting into the garden of your heart. Pay attention. We're gatekeepers. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Very familiar passage to a lot of our intercessors and a lot of our prophetic watch people here in the house. But Isaiah 22, 22 says, I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. And when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. It's taken out of the NASB. So we have authority to open up doors and we have authority to close doors. In the spirit, you have to understand that in your home, there are, there are portals into, your, into the very atmosphere of your home. The things that come across your iPad, the things that come across your phone, those actually become doors that release something into the spiritual atmosphere and environment of your house. And so as a gatekeeper and a doorkeeper, you need to understand that men and women, moms and dads, you are responsible to identify all the doors and then to watch over all those doors and to make sure that those doors are locked to the wrong things that are trying to get in. The next connotation of the word shamar is the word preserve. It's pres to be a preserver. So we have number one, a watchman is a protector. Number two, a keeper. Number three, a bodyguard or a guardian. Number four, a gatekeeper. And number five, a preserver. Very, very interesting as I was thinking about this word preserve. It means to maintain. So as, as parents, one of the main things that we do is we maintain and we preserve a cultivated garden, a tender heart an open and responsive spirit to the things of God, an open and responsive spirit to, to the instruction and the counsel of wise people. One of the things that you see in the book of Proverbs, if you read through, through Proverbs, you'll see the appeal of the author of Proverbs to his son. My son, pay attention to wisdom. My son, listen constantly, constantly. He's appealing to his son to listen. He's appealing to the reader. Listen to what I'm saying, 
Essentially, what he's saying is, I'm trying to maintain an attitude of openness towards the things of God. I want you to listen to this story. It's found out of Watchman Prayer. According to the Associated Press on December 14, 1996, a 763-foot grain freighter, the Brightfield, was heading down the Mississippi at New Orleans, Louisiana, when it lost control. And it veered towards the shore and it crashed into a riverside shopping mall. At the time, the Riverwalk Mall was crowded with some 1,000 shoppers and 116 people were injured. The impact of the freighter demolished parts of the wharf, which is the site of 200 shops and restaurants as well as the Hilton Hotel. The ship had lost control at the stretch in the Mississippi that is considered the most dangerous to navigate. After investigating the accident for a year, the Coast Guard reported that the freighter had lost control because the engine had shut down. The engine had shut down because of low oil pressure. The oil pressure was low because of a clogged oil filter. And the oil filter was clogged because the ship's crew had failed to maintain the engine properly. As I read that story, I began asking myself, what are the maintenance checkpoints that as a father I must set up in the field of my family? I wanna encourage you, if you don't have regular rhythms that you're touching base, that you're connecting, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter six, God commands us as fathers and mothers to set up regular rhythms with our children. And you can look at Deuteronomy chapter four, Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter eight. And in those different chapters, you will find rhythms that God sets up, times that we are to build into our, our family rhythms. When they wake up in the morning, what are the habits? What are the patterns? What are the routines that you set up? Maybe, maybe you have to be out of the house before the children rise. And that's understandable. Is, is, there, a, is there a nighttime rhythm? Is there a setting them down to sleep? Is there a watching over the garden of their heart before they close their eyes to rest and engage in that place of, of subconsciousness in their sleep? What about when you walk with them throughout the day? What, what, what questions are you asking them? Yesterday morning, as, a, as the kids and I were in, in the bed and, and reading books together, I just stopped and I asked each of them, I said, tell me how your heart is. How's your heart? I want at an early age, I want them to be able to discern what's going on in the field of their heart. And then I, and, the, and you know, it was a little confusing to them. I said, well, has anybody hurt your heart lately? And, um, and Kenya said, well, you know, yeah, this person has hurt my heart. And, and then I asked Sissy and she said, no, no, my heart's good. And then she said, no, 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 no. Actually, actually, Kenya did hurt my heart. He hurt my heart yesterday. We were wrestling and, and, he, and, he, and he hurt me pretty bad. And so I said, okay, that's fine. So let's, let's, let's forgive each other. You know, it's just, it's just setting up rhythms and paying attention to what's going on in the depths of their heart and maintaining that, maintaining that, doing maintenance on the field of your family. Well, to keep this consistent with the, uh, the previous messages that we've had, I wanna give you three things to watch over as moms and dads. And you know, I was sharing this with those who are part of us in the pre-service prayer. By the way, any of you who wanna come and pray with us in the morning time, beginning at 9.15 up in the uh, upper room there, uh, we pray into the house and the Lord gives us great 
revelation into the direction of what he's doing, not only in the service, but in the overall house. And so if you have a heart for prayer, you have a heart for this house, I want to encourage you to join us. It'll, it'll especially those of you who are new, it'll really give you a, a good understanding of, of who we are and what we're doing and where we're going. And it's a nice little preview for the things that we're going to be hitting on Sunday morning. Three things to watch over in your family. Number one, we need to watch over their safety. So three S's here. You know, watch over their safety. This is, this is very, very self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We need to watch over three components of their safety. Letter A, we need to watch over their safety physically. Many of you are familiar with Psalm 91. If you're new to the scriptures, I want to direct your attention to Psalm 91. I'm not going to read all of that right now, but Psalm 91, an incredible resource that focuses on the fact that God is our protector. We just read Psalm 121. The, the, the scripture is filled with verses and passages that are actually promises of God's scripture. It's how we fight. It's how we war. How do we assume the posture of a protector for our family? How do we do that? Here, here's the, simp the simplest way that you do that. Go to the scripture. You can do a simple search on Bible Gateway or blueletterbible.com or Bible study tools, whatever, whatever uh, website you want to use, or you can go old fashioned and break out a 30 pound concordance, whatever your uh, desire is, and just do a little search. Just look up the word protect or protector or refuge or strength or security or whatever it is. If this is an area of your life and your family that you want to increase, pull out five scriptures, write them down and begin to pray those things over the physical health and protection of your family and do it offensively. Why wait until we are in harm's, in, in harm's way to pray protection? Don't, don't wait until we're in harm's way. One of the reasons why I believe that our mission teams experience a good degree of success is because we invest anywhere from six to nine months of prayer into the trip before the trip ever happens. It's praying offensively, taking the initiative. Remember the word protect, to go ahead and then to guard. Nehemiah built a wall around the city. In the same way that Nehemiah built that wall around the city of Jerusalem, and you can read that in the book of Nehemiah and the scriptures there, Whenever our staff and I, whenever we pray, we pray over our staff on Mondays, we pray over the church, Antioch on Tuesdays, we pray over the city on Wednesdays, and then we pray over the nations and our global partners on Thursday. One of the things that we make mention every day that we pray is we say, God, we are building a wall today. And every time we come in the place of prayer, every time we participate with the watchman, anointing of intercession, we're adding another brick and another stone in that wall of prayer around those different fields. It's a great story here in the, in, in the book Watchman Prayer as it relates to uh, praying for safety. I want to read to you very quickly. In her book, Prophetic Intercession, Barbara Wintrobel shares a testimony of the vital importance of spiritually guarding one another. I remember a time when my mother-in-law experienced a flow of the river of intercession during a very strategic moment. She was sitting in her living room at 9.30 a.m. and suddenly she felt a sensation of fear and danger accompanied by an urgency to pray for her son, my husband, Dale. At first, she did not understand where this was coming from. Recognizing that she had nothing to fear and was not in danger, she asked the Lord to reveal what this was. 
this was a wise and a necessary move because gaining understanding is an important first step in effective prayer. An inner prompting will alert you to something that your mind does not quite comprehend. God does not speak to our minds, he speaks to our spirits. And so to the degree that we learn how to pay attention with our spirits and we learn how to hear the voice of the Lord with our spirits, we'll be able to walk out those marching orders with our conscious understanding. At these times, ask the Lord to help you know how he wants you to pray. Many times, some of us have experienced those inner promptings that we're not exactly sure what it is. It's the Lord speaking to you. And the best thing to do is say, God, what are you saying and how can I partner with what you're doing? After asking the Lord to reveal to her how to pray, Dale's mom then felt a deep impression that it was Dale who was in danger. She prayed for several minutes and then she felt the burden lift. Later that night, she called our home to ask Dale what he was doing at 9.30 in the morning. Oh, that's easy, he replied. I remember because I looked at my watch, another man was talking to me while we were standing out in the plant at work. There had been some remodeling in the plant over the past several weeks, and we were discussing the progress. All of a sudden, I felt an urgency to move from the place where we were standing. We quickly moved to another spot about 20 feet away, and just as quickly as we moved, a large steel beam fell from the ceiling and landed in the very spot where I had been standing. This is an example of taking the offensive and learning how to pray over our families for their physical safety. The second component of praying for their safety is we must pray for their association. And for, this, for your notes, I want you to write down Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. Many other scriptures in the book of Proverbs that we could associate here. But we need to pray even now. Those of you who have babies that were just born, begin praying now for the friends that will be attracted to them. Most of the trouble that I got into, most of the negative attitudes that I adopted were not from my parents. They weren't from my pastors or my teachers or my coaches. They were from my friends. Most of the erroneous ideologies that I adopted came from my friends. We ought to pray over the associations of your children. The enemy is already devising counterfeit covenant relationships for your children. The, the enemy has, has already um, sending people along your children's path. And listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not that friend. It's not that child who's the enemy. But people, these, 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 these young friends that our children are associating with whose parents don't know the Lord or maybe they don't know Christ or maybe they do know Christ, but they're, but they're wrestling with their own faith system and their own belief system. We need to pay attention. Even people in the church, listen, Christian schools does not remove the fact that some of those friends may be the worst influences in our children's lives. Just because your kid goes to youth group and just because their friends go to youth group doesn't mean that the influence that they're bringing is completely godly. You gotta pray over the association. Take that seriously. Moms and dads, don't just let your kids go over to a friend's house to spend the night if you don't know that parent. And I, and I know I'm dealing with a, a little bit of a different demographic here. All of you guys, you're on top of this stuff. But boy, I tell you, I, I hear stories 
about parents who let their kids go in, in naivety and in innocence and, and bad things happen and bad things are exposed to their children in those places. Letter C, concerning our safety. We need to pray over the safety of our children spiritually. Becca Greenwood, great friend of the house here has written a book recently called Let Our Children Go. Great book that references how to protect and watch and guard our children spiritually. Great story here in Watchman Prayer about a young child who came back from school and uh, as this person, I believe it was, I believe it was, might've been Beth Alvis who wrote that particular story. But it was a young boy who came in and, and boy, his attitude was just nasty. Rebellion, something that this mom had not seen in her child. And so she, she said, hey, come over here. Come, come sit in my lap. And this is, this is a great lesson for all of us. When we see things that are happening in our kids, let's not be quick. Let's not be quick to jump to conclusions and say, you know, you just need to straighten up. Let's do a little investigation. If something's out of character, let's begin to fish around a little bit and find out what they were exposed to. Find out what different things have been entering into different gates and, and, and doors into their heart. And so as this mom pulled this young boy under her lap, she said, tell me what you guys did at school today. And he said, oh, it was really fun. We all gathered around and we asked questions to this crystal ball. And this, then this crystal ball would answer the questions that we asked of it. And she was a new believer and she said, God, what do I do? With, what do I do with this? I'm not exactly sure how to handle this. And he said, break the curses of witchcraft that had been put on your child through this medium. And she did. And as soon as she did that, something lifted off of this young boy. It became sweet, became tender again. Well, we need to learn how to watch over our homes and our children spiritually. I remember the first trip I ever went on as a, by myself, a mission trip. I went to Jamaica as a junior in high school. And while I was, while I was there, you know, they, they've got so much stuff related to Rastafarianism and, and, and different things. And I picked up this cane and uh, in this cane was carved out a picture of a face. And uh, I was so proud of this cane that I had bought. And uh, the first thing <laughs> I got home and the first thing that my mom saw was the, this cane with this picture of this face and dreaded beard and all this weird stuff. And, and uh, I went home, I went to school and I came back and I found the, the handle of my cane charred. <laughs> so uh, so that, that face that was on my cane ceased to exist because uh, my mom just, just, she just burned it right off. She just burned it right off. And I said, uh, what, what did you do? I, my, I, can't even, I can't even walk with this thing anymore. What are we doing? She said, that thing was evil. It was demonic. You don't bring this to my house. You don't bring evil to my house. I said, okay. And uh, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. I totally understand it now. Be careful, those of you guys who are going on other trips. Be careful what you buy in the markets. Be careful things may look innocent. All right, pray over those things. Things can be transferred, especially in other cities. We don't have to fear, but we have to be alert. And things are transferred, man. People take things and they'll pray into them in the same way that Paul's handkerchief, huh? It was anointed and it was carrying and it was transferring something good in the spirit. Things, negative things, bad things can be transferred in the spirit as well. 
All right? Listen, let me just wrap this up very quickly. Two other things that, that we ought to pray for, that we ought to really pay attention to. Number one, we ought to pay to our children's safety. Number two, we ought to pay attention to our children's security. Now, this is different. It's very, very important for us to understand. Safety deals with external mechanisms. Security deals with the heart. We're not talking about financial security. We're talking about the security that comes from deep love. Now, if I can, if I can just borrow four minutes here, I, wanna, I just want to wrap this up before, before we end so, so that we can bring this, this series to a close. Love and love alone brings security to a child's heart. Not performance, love. Pay attention to how and why you give approval to your children. If you only give approval to them when they're dominating on the soccer field, the message that they're gonna get is that my security with mom, with dad, with coach, my security with grandpa, with grandma comes because of what I do. Our security from the father doesn't come from what we do. It comes from who he is and who we are. It comes from whose we are. So three thoughts here very quickly. We've got to lavish them with love. That's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. We ought to lavish them with love. How great is the love the father has lavished. That word means to extravagantly pour out in abundance. Not just when they do good. We ought to lavish our children with love. The, the, the moments when they need love the most is not when they've excelled. The moments when they need love the most is when they have made the biggest mistake in their lives. We ought to lavish them with love and say, you blew it. I want you to understand you blew it. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you, but I'm going to do that in a place of love. One of the things I tell my kids every day, there's nothing that you can do to make me stop loving you. And now, and you know, now it just becomes this thing. Hey, hey, sweetheart, daddy loves you. Kenya, daddy loves you. And guess what? There's nothing I can do that will make you stop loving me. That's exactly right. That ought to be deep in the core. That ought to be deep in the bedrock of our kids' spirits. And we ought to watch over that, both in prayer and in the natural. Number two, we ought to pour a mature love out upon them. First John 4, 18 says this, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. The word perfect is the word teleos, which means mature. It means a love that has gone the distance. It means a love that has been proven. All right, that speaks, to, that speaks to God's love. God's love is mature. God's love is complete. God's love has walked through something with us. But as parents, our love must mature towards our children. So we have to pray that our love would mature towards our children, but we ought to pray as well that they would receive the perfect love of the Father that would remove all fear from them. I love this right here. It says, uh, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Last year, Hank spoke in uh, Freedom Training Center about a culture of honor. And I'm just now beginning to understand some of the concepts he was teaching. One of the most important things he said is we are not punishable. There are times when I'm disciplining my children and the Lord will speak to me and he says, son, you're about to punish them. He'll give me a little heads up. I find myself getting a little emotional. I find myself wanting to do certain things. And the Lord says, son, you're about to punish them. You're not, you're not training them anymore. You're not disciplined. You're, you're about to step over into punishment. We need to pay attention to that. Are you hearing me? You know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean necessarily spanking them. It can, it can mean anything. 
you're not gonna do this for this amount of time. Well, what the motivation that is coming out of you as the father and mother, the motivation of that, the intention of that determines whether it's correction, training, discipline, or punishment. We ought to never withhold love from our children when they make a mistake. We ought to never withhold love from them. You can train and you can discipline in the spirit of love. It is the way that it was designed and it was meant to be. And thirdly here, we ought to initiate love. This is found in 1 John 4, 19. This is not that we love him first. We love because he first loved us, right? So we ought to pray into their safety. We ought to watch over their safety, but we also ought to watch over their security. And security comes from an abundant love, from a mature love, and from a love that we initiate. It's initiated by the Father first. And remember, your love will never, it will never ever replace the love of the Father. Direct them, push them. Our prayer for our children, God, let them encounter the love of the Father. I pray this over my kids often. God, let them have a revelation of the love of God because my love is broken and my love is immature and my love is incomplete and so is yours. But if we will pray them into the love of the Father, they'll make it. Thirdly, we ought to watch over their sonship. We ought to watch over their sonship. This book right here, From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, changed my life. One of the things that the author here, Jack Frost, references is, there's a great little statement. He says, millions of children today are growing up feeling as if they don't have a home. We're not talking about literal physical orphans. We're talking about people who may have families, but spiritually are feeling orphaned. He says, when I say home, I'm speaking of a place of warmth, protection, comfort, security, and identity. Home is the place we can run to when things go wrong. Home is the place where we receive affirmation. Home is the place we cease striving and we experience rest. Something very interesting that Jack Frost mentions here, he calls them counterfeit affections. And I want, I want every parent to think about this. I'm, I'm really chewing and stewing on this because we can do all the right things externally. But if our children are not growing up, they can go to youth group, they can come to church, they can jump up and down, they can pray in tongues. But if they don't have a spirit of their core identity being as sons and daughters, here's what Jack Frost says. He goes, we begin chasing after counterfeit affections when we don't have a spirit of sonship. Again, you may be a believer, you may quote scripture, you may pray in the spirit, you may know all the songs, but if we do not have a spirit of sonship, we'll begin chasing counterfeit affections. I classify counterfeit affections under the seven Ps, passion, possessions, positions, performance, people, place, and power. You may, you may ask yourself, why, 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 is my chi- why are my children chasing after the affection of a young boy? Why, why are my daughters, why are they dressing that way? Why, why does my son seem so driven to be the best? And you might think, don't I give them a good home? Don't I spend time with them? The spirit of sonship is so important. And if we're not tending the garden of our children's hearts to first and foremost become at their core level, sons and daughters of God himself, we're running the risk of, the, of, of something growing up inside of their garden where they'll be looking for those counterfeit affections from something or someone else. Really, I would say this is the core issue. I could get up here and talk about, you know, you need to watch out, you know, don't let your kids watch that, that, rock, the, that rock and roll show. Don't, don't do that. I mean, we could get into all those kind of things. No, 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 that's peripheral. Because if their heart 
is captured with the core identity of being a beloved son and daughter of God, they're, they're gonna do things motivated not out of religion or fear or punishment. Their decisions are gonna be motivated out of the love of the Father. They are beloved. And we want that internal GPS. We want that internal compass. We want that internal mechanism to be built into their heart. The internal mechanism, not of right and wrong. Not of right and wrong. Listen, the, the internal mechanism we're trying to build is not this is right, this is wrong, law-based, legal, 10 commandment. This, this is what a good Christian does. This is, no, no, no. We want the internal GPS to be the love of God. The love of the Father. We want that to be their motivational base. Are you hearing me this morning? I want to pray over your families today. And um, I want to end today by, uh, I, 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 I so believe, moms and dads, I so believe that the Father is extending you an invitation, extending all of us an invitation to put our eyes again on the field of our families. You know, this morning as I was getting ready and I was re rehearsing these notes and looking over them, I felt an invitation from the Father to me. The Father said to me, son, you're not tending the garden of your family like you should be. There's no condemnation in that. There's invitation. So as a mom or as a dad, if there's certain things that you're seeing in your children, listen, there's no condemnation. There's only invitation. The Father is inviting you. And so let's respond. Let's go and stand to our feet here. I'm gonna close. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be encouraged. God loves your family. He's after your family. And you're the gatekeeper. You're the doorkeeper. You're the protector. You're the guardian of your family. Spiritually, you're the guardian of this family. You guys are doorkeepers in this family. Listen, if you see people doing shady things, hanging around and bathrooms and listen let me just say this listen if there's a little kid in a bathroom wait till they come out don't go in there when the little kid's in there you just wait just let them go in there you can hold it come on this is the way that we protect our children are you hearing me this morning moms and dads just to give you a little bit of heads up we're, we're reworking some of our security issues even here in the building uh, and we're going to be communicating those to you and to your kids some of those things may, may require that uh, as we look at the second floor and third floor, one of the things that we're looking at is just saying, listen, kids, bathrooms for kids, third floor only. It is the, most sa it is the safest and most protected place as it relates to restrooms in, in this building. And, and, and we may even ask you, take your kids before and after service. And yes, that might be an inconvenience, but isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Okay, I know we get busy, we're talking, we're connecting, we're chatting, but if, but if Milan or Kenya have to go potty, I'm gonna say, please excuse me, and I'm gonna get in the elevator, I'm gonna take them up to the third floor, and I'm gonna watch and guard, and I'm gonna make sure that they're safe. All right, be thinking about these things with us. Okay, if you see security concerns, bring them to our attention. You're watchmen in the house. You're watchmen over this family. If you have your family close to you, just put your hand on them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless the families of Antioch Church. We thank you, O oh God, that you are our protector. And so we do pray for the safety of these families. We pray for the safety of these children. 
those that are here with us and those that are afar or who may not be with us. We pray for their safety physically. We pray, Father God, that you would send right associations their way. In fact, Father, we pray for all the wrong associations, that those wrong associations would either come to know Christ, have a major radical awakening in their lives, or you remove them from our children's lives. We ask you for that, Father. We ask that you would uproot out of the garden of their hearts every negative seed and every negative root that has been sown into the desires, into the affections, into the thoughts of our children's lives that have come from negative sources. We ask you that today, Father. We pray for their protection spiritually. Father, where the enemy may have marked any of our children as targets, we lift that mark and we say we mark them for righteousness. I speak over every child in this house. We mark you for righteousness. We mark you for holiness. We mark you for blessing. We mark you for destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray over their security that every one of our sons and daughters would be rock solid in the love of the Father. They won't have to bow to peer pressure. They won't have to succumb to compromise because there is a deep security that is birthed out of the love of God inside of them that is coming straight from their mom and dad and straight from this community of faith. And finally, Father, we pray for another measure of the spirit of sonship in this house as fathers, as mothers, as spiritual fathers and mothers. We pray that our children will be some of the the greatest sons and daughters on the planet because the earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.